Hi there, it's Jillian, and I want to tell you about Jillian on Love Plus, your way to get even more Jillian on Love each week by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Patreon. You can access exclusive bonus episodes with extras, including answers to your most burning questions, advice on all things dating and relationships, and much more. Check out the link in the episode description for more information. Hi there, this is Jillian on Love, and I'm on a mission to teach people how to completely revolutionize their romantic relationships by first transforming the relationship they have with themselves. So whether you're in a relationship, single or heartbroken, I've got you covered. I'm Jillian Tarecki, certified relationship coach and teacher with over 20 years experience helping people transform their relationship with themselves through their bodies, breath, and minds. I have coached and taught thousands to become better versions of themselves and change the way they show up in their love lives and in their relationships. Today's topic is about the oh-so-common and challenging dance between the pursuer and the distancer in a relationship. And a lot of people refer to this as the anxious and avoidant dance, but the reality is that this goes well beyond attachment theory. It's actually way more nuanced than that. And the truth is, what I'm about to outline in today's episode is the most common pattern that we all have in a relationship, whether you're just starting to date someone, whether it's early dating, whether you've been with someone for 10, 15, 20 years. This is part of what we do as humans relationally, and it's important to talk about. So that's why I am talking about it in today's episode. Here's also another reality. Relationship is full of paradoxes, and it's also filled with several conundrums that even, like I said, the healthiest relationships face. So I'm not describing today in detail a pathology. I am describing a conundrum that we all face in a relationship of how to balance the need for closeness and togetherness with also the need for freedom and autonomy. So there's this dance (laughs) that we get ourselves into, again, regardless of how you identify in terms of attachment theory, certainly with bringing that to the table, anxious attachment and avoidant attachment, certainly it, it definitely complicates things, and I will get into that. But apart from that, this dance, the dance between togetherness and distance, connection and space, freedom and boundedness, autonomy and dependence, how to balance these things, how to balance togetherness and space becomes in many ways the ultimate unconscious struggle between two people in a relationship, regardless of their attachment styles. And then, of course, if you throw into the mix extreme fear of abandonment, 
with an extreme fear of closeness, it becomes complicated. The truth remains that this dance exists in every single relationship, definitely in different ways, when it becomes very persistent and relentless and almost defines the relationship, then yes, it becomes almost a pathology of the relationship and it becomes very painful. But first, I really want to describe this dance and how it's happening pretty much all the time. (laughs) Not all the time, but it happens a lot. And why it's happening. So if you're in a relationship, I suggest you listen to this if it's possible with your partner. And if you are not in a relationship, this is going to be incredibly useful for you in preparing for your next relationship, as well as I really think it's going to give you a lot of insight into your former relationships. I want to shelve attachment theory just for a moment, because if we only look at relationship through that lens then what we are essentially saying is that if you have anxious attachment, then you will be like that in every relationship. And if you are avoidant, then that is how you will be in every relationship. And that's not true. The truth is that context really matters. And whereas one person can be totally anxious in one relationship, they can actually be avoidant in another relationship because who we're relating to matters. I talk about this much more in detail in my episode on anxious attachment, but who we're relating to really matters. So let's take away that lens for just a moment and let's look at this very crucial aspect, this very fundamental aspect of how we humans function relationally. Every single person values their autonomy. We want to do what it is that we want to do and when we want to do it. We want to be able to make our own decisions. We want to dress the way that we want to dress. We want to go to bed at a certain time that we want to go to bed. We want to wake up at a certain time that we want to wake up. We want to parent a certain way that we want to parent. We want to do the work that we do a certain way that we want to do that work. So no matter how much you value connection and closeness, you will always value your autonomy because we will always value our autonomy. We have an innate need to feel free, to feel untethered, to feel unbounded. And we also have an innate need to preserve our identity. So what do I mean by that? For example, someone could say, I am not just their wife. I am not just their spouse. I am not just their partner. I am not just their husband. I am me. I am not just yours. I am first and foremost mine. 
and even those amongst us who all we can think about is being in a relationship, all we can think about is being chosen, all we could think about is being part of a unit, part of a family, part of a couple. Even those of you who value togetherness at the highest level, there remains inside of you a need for your freedom and your autonomy and your individualism. There even remains in you a belief that first and foremost, you are yours. And when we are in a relationship, we become part of a we. It is no longer just I. It is we. And that's the whole reason why we want to get into a relationship because we are pack animals. We are designed to live life with others. We are designed to want to mate. We're designed to want to procreate. Not that everybody wants to, but this is part of our genetic makeup. We don't want to be alone. And that's one of the conundrums. We want to be part of a we. But then being part of a we means we give up the I. And you don't have to give up the I necessarily. You don't have to give it up entirely, I should say. But we all struggle not only with the other, but internally with how much are we going to quote-unquote, lose ourselves in the relationship. And I don't mean lose ourselves in a codependent way. I'll get to that in a moment. But lose our individualism. We have to face that conundrum of how much we're going to lose that and how much we're going to maintain that. And it's a very difficult thing to balance inside of ourselves. If we're in a relationship and all we think is individualistically, well, then we should be single because then we become really selfish. And those who don't want to commit to a relationship, there's so many reasons why a person is not ready or chooses not to commit to a relationship. There are so many reasons. One of them, one of many, is because of wherever they are in their life. Maybe they just got out of a relationship. Maybe they're just divorcing. Maybe they're at a certain stage or age of their life where they're really trying to explore the self and develop the self. They feel that they need to live their life much more individualistically. They don't want to be part of the we. They want to stay very much firmly in the eye. And if that person were to force themselves prematurely to be in a relationship, then that internal conflict is going to be through the roof of, I just want to be the individual, but yet I'm in this relationship. And what ends up happening is that then they become selfish and selfishness destroys relationships. Maybe that's the person who would be considered as avoidant or emotionally unavailable. And it's because 
Perhaps, again, this is one of many, many reasons. Perhaps, instead of honoring where they were in their life, what they really needed at that stage of their life, what they were actually capable of, what their emotional preparedness was, they forced themselves in a relationship because we all have that inner conflict of, even if I need to be single, there's a part of me that always wants to cohabitate and wants companionship. And if they force themselves in a relationship too quickly, they will appear emotionally unavailable, but it's really because of this internal conflict that lives inside of them and that they didn't honor the need to celebrate and put energy into their individualism for a little while before they became a we. So even though some of us are indeed more wired for autonomy, and while others of us are indeed more wired for connection and togetherness, and yes, this is wiring that began in childhood, what I'm trying to convey today is that even though this wiring exists and it's very real, we still have a fear that lives inside of us to varying degrees from person to person of losing ourselves in a relationship, i.e. losing our sense of self, losing our freedom, losing our individualism in a relationship. And so this conundrum, as I've referred to it as, first lives inside of us to varying degrees. And then it plays out in a relationship as a dance. Here's a common scenario. Let's take two people. Maybe they're dating, maybe it's early relationship, or maybe it's later in the relationship. It really actually doesn't matter. And let's say things are going really well, like really, really well. Then one person starts to pull away a little bit. And it's pretty much always unconscious, this pulling away. Not always, but often. And let's just say that this person starts to pull away a little bit because they are afraid of the closeness and what they associate to closeness. So, yeah, maybe they do have some avoidant tendencies that, that if you get too close, that means I'm going to be controlled. If I get too close... I'm going to lose all my freedom. Or maybe that person is thinking, if I get too close, they will leave me. This is all living in the unconscious. Right? So the closeness means to them loss of freedom. It could mean that abandonment is coming, loss of independence. And let's just say maybe they even pull away not so much of all of that, but because they just feel like they're starting to lose themselves. It's the fear of losing themselves, right? So then maybe the person who's pulling away starts to shift their focus onto their work because work is where they feel very in control, represents a big part of their identity. It represents a big part of who they are. 
So they just slowly start to pull away from the relationship to recalibrate, reconnect with, and re-strengthen their individuality and their sense of identity that's separate from the relationship. And then their partner, they have no idea why this person is pulling away or the person that they're dating, their lover, is pulling away. All they know is that they feel it in their bodies, they feel it in their nervous system, and you don't have to have anxious attachment to feel that. But if you throw into the mix someone with an extreme fear of abandonment, that awareness of their person starting to pull away is magnified, and the reaction to that is of extreme pathological fear and panic. But again, you don't have to have anxious attachment to be aware of when your lover or partner is pulling away and to be uncomfortable with that, for that to trigger anxiety in you, for that to feel dysregulating to your nervous system. I'll say it again. You do not have to have anxious attachment for that to be anxiety producing. But if you do have an extreme form of fear of abandonment and you do really have a lot of anxious attachment that you see, that you have seen in come out in many relationships, it's just going to be that much more magnified. And you'll notice the slightest pulling away is if the person has completely abandoned the relationship as opposed to someone else who might just sense that there's a slight pulling away, but they don't immediately jump to the person is leaving me. So they feel it in their bodies, they feel it in their nervous systems, and they do what is the natural, in many ways, response to someone who they're in a relationship with or someone who they're dating pulling away. And that natural response is to then move towards the person. Because when one person pulls away for a myriad of different reasons, a lot of it, again, unconscious, what they're doing is creating distance where there was a lot of closeness, where there was a lot of togetherness, they're now infusing and creating distance between the two of them. And so the other person is like, hey, I didn't want that distance. I didn't want that. What are you doing? So they start to pursue the distancer. Because in their mind, their unconscious, their nervous system, their main objective is, I got to close the gap. And so they start to pursue, and there's a few scenarios here. One scenario is they're pursuing relentlessly because they're extremely anxious, and then the person who pulled away feels like their emotional and psychological boundaries have been violated. They feel like they're being controlled. They feel like, wow, I can't take some space, I can't take some time to individuate without this person completely going nuts on me, really. 
that's just the thought that's going on in this person's mind. And so they pull away even more to preserve their boundaries, to preserve their individuality. So that would be a really common scenario of when two people, namely one person being anxious, the other person being sort of avoidant. But it's because they're both reacting to the space that is between the two of them. One wants more space, the other one wants less. Okay, so that's one scenario. Another scenario is, which is really common, probably more common, the pursuer, in other words, the pursuer is the one who didn't want the distance, and the distancer is the one who wanted the distance, wanted to have a break from the togetherness. The pursuer will then all of a sudden be like, forget them, I'm going to stop pursuing. I'm going to now pull away. Because pulling away in the past has gotten the person who has pulled away from me to then come to me. And this is the dance that I am more interested today in focusing on. So they're pulling away. I'll pull away. And then guess what happens? The pursuer becomes the distancer, and the distancer becomes the pursuer. They literally switch hats. They switch roles. And then guess what happens? They switch hats and they switch roles again. And this is what becomes the thing in the relationship that is weakening the relationship. It's two people switching roles pretty consistently. And as a result, the gap never closes. They remain in a state of distance and they have a hard time finding their way back to togetherness. And so it's not so important to focus only on who's the pursuer and who's the distancer. It's not so important to try to discover in yourself. The more important point is at the end of the day, it is not about the role. It is not about who is the distancer and who is the pursuer. What matters is that, like I said, there is this dance, this game that keeps being danced and played by two people who are skirting around togetherness and closeness. They are literally standing in the way of their being able to reunite with one another. And this is a pattern that can go on and off for months and for years between two people. But it's common and normal for it to happen a little bit once in a while because 
it's important to understand that the reason why it's happening is that we all have an innate desire and need for closeness while also having an innate desire and need for space. And we all value it differently and we all value it at different times. And so very much the key to a healthy relationship and mitigating this is understanding your partner's psychology and their needs so much that you start to notice when they need space. And instead of seeing it as something that is threatening to the relationship, you give it to them. But that has to be equally matched with the communication of when you are someone who needs a little bit of the individuating, when you need the space, when you need to kind of shift your focus away from the relationship, not entirely, but just need to focus a little bit more on yourself, that you express that, that you say, that you reassure your partner that like, you're not going anywhere, but that, you know, you could really use a weekend away, or you could really use some time with some friends, or you really need some alone time, and it's got nothing to do with your love. It just has to do with the fact that you love your autonomy and you need to be able to be supported in that. It's very simple, but it's just not easy. Because like I said, there's either one person who's wanting more togetherness and another person who's wanting more distance. And then those two people are not communicating and able to meet each other in the middle with that, then there's two people who are just caught in this unconscious game of, I love you, I love you, come closer to me, but not too close. Or where are you going? Okay, I'm going to pull away so you come closer to me. And so they're playing this game, and they went from really, really close to, oh my God, what has happened to our relationship? Like, why aren't we close anymore? And so much of it has to do with this dance that begins with an internal conflict within of how much can I be part of a we while also preserving the self? And it's always complicated by how much a person values their autonomy, how much a person values connection, how much fear they have of being abandoned. So I know that this is a really sort of deep and very nuanced episode, but this is important because what I am seeing right now is everything being reduced to, oh, you're anxious or you're avoidant or they're avoidant, you have every right to be anxious, or they're clingy and totally anxious, you have every right to pull away. And relationship is being reduced to these very binary ways of looking at things where there's a villain and a victim, and that's not how relationship works. It's so much more nuanced. And I also think that it's so important that we honor the fact that as important as togetherness is in a relationship, as important as intimacy is in a relationship, 
part of what helps to feed and nourish intimacy is healthy distance. So what is healthy distance? It depends on the couple. What's unhealthy is the distance that is created by two people playing this dance that I outlined. And then they're never really able to reconnect because they're too busy playing the game of not being abandoned. It's all about their egos. But two people who feel safe enough with each other and respect each other's needs enough to be able to have distance is so important because when are you most attracted to someone else? Be it your partner, be it a lover, be it your date. It's when you see them totally embodied and in their element. It's when you see them fully expressed and fully connected to themselves. And so passion, attraction, chemistry lives in the distance. Whereas love and camaraderie and friendship lives in the togetherness. As people in relationship, we are always trying to reconcile these two needs. We are always trying to reconcile togetherness and distance. And no doubt, it becomes much more difficult in a relationship between a quote-unquote anxious person and a quote-unquote avoidant person because it's just harder for them to reconcile that. It's harder for each person in this scenario to really feel like their needs are being met. But some couples do it really well. Some couples will say, oh, I know. I've known from day one that in order for this person to be in a relationship with me and to feel loved, they need to be able to explore the world and explore themselves and explore their passions. And I can't stand in the way of that. Or I've known from day one that this person needs quality time with me. Yes, they need to be told that they're loved and whatnot and praised, but they need quality time with me every week. And it's these are the conversations that we need to be having. And even if you didn't have them from day one and you're 10 years in, you have them now because we are always evolving and changing and our needs change. And the whole idea of growing together as a couple is being able to have these conversations and to have the flexibility within ourselves and within the relationship to allow for each person to change and evolve. You know, you might be married 20 years and your spouse says, 
I really want to explore, you know, I want to quit my job and I want to explore this, you know, I want the next chapter of my life to, I want to go back to school. I'm just using that as an example. I want to go back to school. And then their spouse would have to be like, okay, let's make that happen. Yes, it means you're going to be busier (laughs) certain weeks. Maybe there's going to be certain weekends where you have to study and you can't put all your energy into the emotional bank account of the relationship. That's okay. Because we can have Thursday night as our date night no matter what. And these are the negotiations that happen in relationships. So much of relationship, people like to say that it's compromise. I like to see it as more negotiation. But these are the habits of couples who are able to grow and evolve with each other, is being able to be flexible and to hear each other out and then to create a negotiation where both of them are able to get their needs met in spite of the changes that might be happening in individual's life. So how does one go about healing or fixing or repairing a situation in which you feel caught in this dance, whether it's because there's a disparity between your attachment styles, whether it's about something else, But you're caught up, you're feeling this dance maybe a little bit or a lot where there is a gap between the two of you. There is distance between the two of you that isn't in any way closing. In other words, you're not vacillating between togetherness and distance. It's distance that's persisting and you're feeling more and more disconnected from your partner. That's when you have to first identify what is going on Notice the dance that you're in. You're switching hats. Maybe you're switching hats a lot. Maybe you feel like you're mostly the pursuer and they're mostly the distancer, vice versa. But either way, you have to have a conversation about it. Because when we get caught up in these patterns, whatever the dance is, but they're patterns where all we want is to repair, but what it's doing is just causing more and more rupture, more and more distance. The balance between togetherness and distance, which changes from couple to couple and changes depending on what's going on in your lives, but still is a balance that consistently needs to be paid attention to, and it won't always be perfectly balanced, But overall, it's something that needs to be balanced. And it also has to be balanced within ourselves. But when we are in these patterns where the distance is far overriding the togetherness, and as a result, you feel disconnected, what's happening is that both people are completely dysregulated. They're unregulated. And so the antidote, simple but not easy, is to come together so that you can co-regulate, so you can regulate together. But it would mean that you would have to take some leadership in your relationship and sit down with your partner. Don't force them to sit down. Say, when are you available? Great, let's sit down. I'd love to talk to you. 
Don't make it sound so like we need to talk. That's a terrible way to start a conversation. We need to talk, or my therapist said, two conversation starters that make the rupture bigger (laughs) and makes it very difficult to repair. So you say, you know, when can we talk? And then you sit down, you talk and say, this is what I'm noticing is going on between us. I notice that there is this dance or this game that we are playing. And I think it's been very unconscious, but I'm really now becoming very conscious of it. And what I really want is for us to be able to understand each other better and give each other what we need and to find our way back to each other. So you just start with that because then you're really advocating for the relationship. You're saying, you're notice, pointing out that there's a pattern rather than saying you're doing this to me because we want to eradicate villain and victim here. Not talking about abuse. This episode's not at all about abuse. And then you talk about what it is that the two of you need and use this episode as a guide. I'm noticing that you're really needing space or maybe you're really needing to spend more time with yourself or maybe you're really fearful of losing yourself. I'm also noticing that I pull away every time you pull away because when I pull away, that's what gets your attention again because that's just the nature of beings is that we tend to go after things that seem a little bit unattainable. And I don't want to play this game anymore. I want us to be completely available to one another while at the same time being able to give each other the love and the space that we both need. So where this dance has been about a gap that won't close, the co-regulation is the first step or is the main goal in bringing the two of you together again. Because if there's always a pursuer and a distancer, whether you are constantly switching hats or only switching hats every other month or you're doing it every other week, the fact remains that there is too much of a gap. And so the first step in repair is how can we feel connected again? What can I do for you to feel safe enough to come towards me again? Or what can I do so that you can feel like I am coming towards you? And that's the conversation. And it's difficult because if it's a pattern that's been going on repeat for a long time, it can be a difficult pattern to break because of the internal conflict and because it's just something the two of you have become so used to. And it's going to require a tremendous amount of honesty and vulnerability to break this pattern. And it's going to require a tremendous amount of courage because you can't wait for them. You've got to take the leadership in your relationship. If you're noticing the pattern, if you're the one listening to this podcast, 
and you notice this is a pattern inside of you or this is a pattern in your relationship, then take the initiative. So one thing that you can start doing right away is with some self-reflection, ask yourself, what was I wired to value more? Is it more my autonomy and my freedom or is it more connection? Does it change depending on who I'm in a relationship with? What am I more afraid of? Am I more afraid of losing myself because in the past I've been controlled or in the past I've been so codependent that I don't trust myself? Or am I more afraid of being abandoned? Or am I more afraid of my freedom being taken away from me? So I would literally take out a pen and paper and write down what are the things that you were more wired for as a child and what are the things that you actually fear most about being in a relationship and being close with someone. And then what I would do is write down what are the ways in which you have sought out space and distance historically in a relationship? And how can you do it better and more maturely now? You can also ask yourself, how have I pursued togetherness historically in relationships? And how can I do that differently now? So this is really important. And you can do this by yourself. If you're in a relationship, you can do this as like a bonding exercise, honestly, so that you can understand your own psychology better. You can understand each other's psychologies better. Then you know what it is that's actually going on. And you can say, I want to respect the space that this relationship needs in order for us to actually stay together because all relationships need some distance because distance does make the heart grow fonder. I can't say how much distance or how little distance. It's really different from couple to couple. But when we can look at our partner from afar and see them really in their element, that's the foreplay. And that's also distance in its own way. When we can spend a weekend apart and really miss them, then that creates longing. And then that longing leads to more intimacy, emotional and physical. Too much togetherness, and we start to feel a loss of self, we start to maybe feel smothered, we start to take each other for granted, maybe there's a loss of attraction, too much distance, total disconnect. We are always trying to reconcile the two inside ourselves and relationally. Have this conversation. Ask for what you need. It's fine. You want more space? Great. Well, How about you just tell me how much you love me (laughs) before you take that space? How about we have a date night after that space? How about you just tell me a little bit of what it is that you need so I have a little insight into what is going on in your head so I know it's not about me? Because you take someone who's insecure because that person had a parent who was totally emotionally distant and you pair them with someone who isn't 
that communicative about when they need space, it's not necessarily that they're avoidant. Maybe they don't think about it that much. They just kind of take the space. That creates a lot of discord in a relationship because the person who's insecure is then going to want to know what's going on for the other partner. You know, why are you pulling away? And then partner B is like, I didn't even realize I was pulling away. I was just shifting my focus to my work or to, you know, my parenting or whatever. And I didn't realize I was pulling away. But the fact that you keep asking me this is making me want to pull away more. So much nuance. So much detail that can be really rectified through communication and vulnerability and courage. Hey, I know you're probably don't even realize that you're pulling away, but you know that thing that I get insecure about, like, is, can you just reassure me right now? Sure, honey. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just doing my thing. I didn't even realize it all as well. It's just these little things. But the more you know your partner's psychology, the more you will be able to say to yourself, oh, this isn't about me. This is them just doing their thing. Or, oh, they're not just needy or insecure. They're just, they're reacting to something that I'm doing that reminds them of something that I am very well aware of. I know that they had a parent that did not pay any attention to them. I have to be more on top of my communication. This is next level relationship stuff, but this is what is the needle mover. So this was a lot to consider. And there was a lot of also philosophy in this, philosophical theory. So do yourself a favor, get out the piece of paper and the pen, write these things down, have the difficult conversation and let me know how that goes. Email me at hello at julianonlove.com because I always want to hear how the suggestions and the sort of call to actions and the things that I suggest that you do, how it works. Let me know. This was an episode about one of the most common relationship patterns that cause a lot of pain, but is also incredibly, again, just nuanced. And that is between the pursuer and the distancer. And I hope you get a lot out of this. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And more than anything else, if this was something that you really feel like a friend or several friends or a family member could benefit from, send them this episode. Because I really believe that if you're human, you have struggled with this inside yourself and in a relationship, even if it's just been a little bit, or maybe it's been a whole lot. So give it a share. And then I'm Jillian Tarecki. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time. Jillian on Love is a Q Code production. Executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Ryan Countshouse. Edited in music by Will Tendy. 
Are you ready for the ultimate Love Island experience? Join us on After the Island. We're going back to where it all began, Fiji. Love Island USA Season 5 is making a splash on Peacock right now. And guess what? Your favorite recap show is back, too. Welcome to After the Island. Join us as real-life besties and co-hosts, Elizabeth and Alex, as we deep dive into each sizzling episode of Love Island USA. We'll spill the tea, interview contestants, answer fan questions, and give you unprecedented behind-the-scenes access to the wildly popular world of Love Island. Don't miss a single moment of the drama, romance, and unforgettable island vibes. Listen to After the Island on any streaming platform. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.